In case it's been a while, this is the sound of a Lexus RX heading out into the great unknown. If this sounds good to you, come to the Golden Opportunity Sales Event for exceptional offers on a full line of highly capable Lexus SUVs. Lease the 2020 NX300 for $339 a month for 36 months with $29.99 to its signing. Experience amazing at your Atlanta area Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer valid in the Lexus Southern area only and in August 3rd, 2020. You're listening to Maya. My ambition, your ambition. You will hear me say, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you, and that's not my coined phrase, but I love it because it's true. The minute something challenges you, you have to ask yourself, what do you do with it? Be sure to check out this and other episodes at mayaakai.com. Namaste, everyone. Welcome to another episode, in fact, episode seven of Maya, My Ambition, Your Ambition. And normally, what I've been doing up with the previous podcast is recording them and then posting them. And I decided that, you know something, there's something about being live and in the moment you just connect with people better. So I decided you know what, it's not like I don't do radio and I don't know what it means to do a live show. So I figured, you know something, I'm going to commit to always doing the show on Thursdays around 6 o'clock or 6.30. And then you know what, I can be more connected with people and being more consistent is important. So this is episode 7 and opposed to being recorded, it's actually live. So hopefully at this point you're familiar with Maya. My ambition, your ambition. As I always like to say, it's a podcast that I feel is, you know, fresh and forward thinking because I'm always trying to tackle salient topics. So the key thing with the podcast is I like to pull back the veil of self-doubt and self-tabotage that often plagues so many of us, including me, to help identify the ambitions. And we all go through times where we struggle with ambition, let's be honest, where we're just not in a right space. We we don't know goals. We get off our square. And all of a sudden, we just kind of feel, the bigger word people will say, stuck. Well, what I want to help people to be able to do, obviously, is to figure out what is that goal, that dream, that ambition, and create that motivation. Have a blueprint to help you to yield that satisfaction and success you're looking for in your daily lives. And my thing about the daily lives thing, I push this so hard consistently. Because we live in the world where it's always about the big things. Well, I like to believe it's the little things that make a difference more so than the big things. Now, here it is. We can agree to disagree on that. But the bottom line is that small successes tend to build and get you to the large success. But we don't take the time to celebrate those small victories we have in life. Because some people feel, well, why should I have to do that? Because you know what? It's the building blocks that help you get there. It's that foundation to moving towards that larger goal. So... With that being said, what I normally would say in the recorded podcast is, hey, you know what, Um, get comfortable, so, you know, find that place where, you know, you can have some quiet time, whether it's, you know, a room where, you know, it's in your favorite chair, the couch, I would often say grab your beverage of choice, whether, you know, it's, you know, coffee or tea, beer, wine, it is um, 6.30, so it is totally appropriate to be having a drink at this time, (laughs) no matter where you are in the country, that might be different depending upon where you're at in the world, but either way, um, and just get 
get comfortable so you can get ready to engage in the conversation with me. It also allows you, like, it's the first time I've done it this way, but you can put in comments and I can read what you say and things of that nature and get your feedback live as the show is going. So before we jump into episode seven, which is entitled, Me, Myself, and I Equal You. I always walk people back a couple episodes because starting at four, there's a ribbon that ties these episodes together. So I always encourage people that you don't have to go back and listen to the very first episode, though I would encourage you to. I think you could get a little bit of something from each one. And remember, you can always find past episodes at mayakai.com. Or if you happen to be a person that just has a podcast destination that you prefer, okay, that's good. You can go to iTunes, Google, or iHeartRadio podcast and download Maya there and listen via that way. So whichever way works for you, you can catch up in those past episodes. But I will say a little bit about starting with four to kind of show how these things all stack up, because that's the point of this. It's those individual episodes that lend to where we're trying to get to with episode seven, which again I said is entitled, Me, Myself, and I Equal You. So episode four which was actually entitled Me, Myself, and I, and it was about your entourage, your personal entourage. It's about you. We started out with saying those four relationship realms that exist, that personal relationship realm, that's you with the relationship you have with yourself. There's a private realm, that relationship you have with your significant other, your children, your siblings, your parents, things like that. Then there's that professional relationship realm, you know, relationships you have at work that have value to you. And then that's that pervasive relationship realm. Remember, I love alliteration, so there's three Ps there. Um, And those pervasive relationships are, they have a meaning and a purpose in your life. They're just a bit different and don't quite fit into the others. So they have a unique spot for themselves. So with that, I said we need to lay the foundation in this personal relationship realm first before we talk about anything else. Because one of the things I said in episode six is if you don't have a relationship with yourself, the chances of you having successful relationships with others is going to be greatly diminished or always going to be complicated or challenging in some way. And we all know we often don't like to pull back that veil and look at ourselves, that person in the mirror, and be honest with what we see because it's hard. And there's a couple different things in those episodes that we talk about. So episode four said, you know what? Sometimes we don't realize how we are or why we are. And not to get all Freudian on people, but I talked about attachment styles in episode four, which is like secure, anxious, dismissive, and avoidant. And it's based on those descriptions. It'll tell you a lot about kind of how you feel in regards to interacting with other people, what your comfort level is interacting with other people, where your comfort level is with yourself. And it's ultimately rooted in the fact of how you were pretty much raised as a child, whoever your caregiver was, influenced and impacted your attachment style. Now, does that mean that somewhere down the road that you couldn't have shifted and changed? Of course. If you had insight early on to realize that there maybe was something that was disconnecting with you, but a lot of people kind of live their lives in this silo of not realizing that, you know, for instance, I identified that I was a secure attachment style, which is I had loving and nurturing parents that were very supportive. Um, they would go forth into the world and learn some things. And when I failed, and by the way, they would allow me to fail. We talked about why it was a failure, how to do it better, and oh, I bet you don't want to feel like that again. <laughs> so, But the one thing about me, it means I'm secure in my relationships with most people. I feel comfortable with people leaning into me. But the one place I become exactly not congruent with the secure attachment style 
is that I don't necessarily feel comfortable leaning into others. And that would be the thing for me that's complicated. So I realize that's the one element of my attachment style that I'm actually not 100% with. But the minute I realized that, I began working on it. But overall, I'm confident in who I am as a person. I feel good in my relationships, generally speaking, at work. And don't, that does not mean I have not had poor relationships because, again, I do not live in a silo. So interacting with other people obviously will affect both sides of the relationship, how you see it, how they see it, and then, here it goes, what's really going on. Let me just say that. So in learning your attachment style, it tells you how you interact with other people. We also dabbled a little bit into talking about your language of love, meaning once you know your attachment style, kind of what is the thing when you interact with others that helps you to feel appreciated, loved, embraced, whatever it might be, whether it's in those private relationships, professional relationships, or pervasive. So was it the fact that some people are, it's not what you do, it's what you say. It's words of affirmation that do it for you. For other people, it's, it's gifts. It's receiving something. And that doesn't mean a person's a gold digger. It just might be that growing up, how they were shown affection from their parents might have been being rewarded with a gift opposed to maybe a simple hug or a kiss or a pat on the back. They were always working towards maybe getting a gift as their reward. So they see gifts as being a way of showing that they care. I see this a lot with young kids. Oh, you know what? My mom gives me this. My dad gives me that. And that's supposed to fill a void for them. And so they often grow to believe that a person will show their love and appreciation through means of giving. Then there is the, it's not what you say, it's what you do that really matters, which is pretty straightforward. And then there's other people who it's more the physical touch. Now, mind you, what's interesting about languages of love, there might be a slight combination, but you tend to be dominant in one more so than the other. And the thing about attachment styles is you're usually pretty true to attachment style. There may be something in there that doesn't exactly match up because maybe an experience has changed or you've grown or didn't know, but you tend to fall within one of those brackets. So that was episode four, worthy of exploring. Episode five stepped you up a little bit further and got into kind of, it was called the window to the world of you. And one of the things that I've talked about, and I said, you know, in this personal relationship realm, it's super interesting because <laughs> being objective is really hard to do. To look at yourself and to say, I was dead wrong in that situation is often hard to do. How many times have you heard yourself? And I say, these episodes are way more about focusing on you and not on others. I'm not saying an instance or situation may not come to mind that you can you feel that a situation of the person really kind of brought something out, but I'm always saying we're looking at ourselves and it doesn't mean that other people won't pop up that you'll say I think this person's like that. Remember, that's your mind deflecting you, pushing you away from focusing on you. But the key thing is that the biggest growth point you will ever have in this process is learning how to make that migration, which sometimes can be a very slow process of being purely subjective, meaning seeing everything from your point of view and having no insight into maybe how someone else sees it, and being able to step back and be objective, which I'll say it now and I'll say it again a bit later. Being objective does not mean that you, you're not in touch with yourself. You're allowed to be in your feelings initially in a situation. It's what you do with being in your feelings afterward that makes a difference. Can you step back and say, okay, my response to that was because of this, but I have to understand maybe this happened because of this. It's being able to see outside yourself with what else might be impacting the situation that might be affecting the outcome that in turn has impacted you. So 
one of the biggest goals throughout everything that Maya focuses on is being able to be that individual that's objective. Because objectivity is a powerful tool to have in your self-evaluation and self-reflection toolbox. And I'm going to tell you something. It's something that you never master. It's something that you always got to keep in check. You got to inventory it because it's so easy for us to fall into our feelings given a situation. I'm going to let that thought just rain on you for a minute. Okay, that was also a time for me to take like actually a little sip of my coffee. So it was my little coffee break there for a second. But no, I do think that's a really important thing to reflect on is that everything that you're working on right now does, ever, does not mean that you're necessarily always going to master it. We can take two steps forward to take a step back. It's human. But the thing is, do you realize when you start backtreading, when you're moving backwards, can you identify it? And when you identify it, can you stop yourself and say, why am I taking steps backwards in this situation? What's really going on here? Why am I changing my trajectory? What's influencing me to do this? Because remember, one of the things that's kind of talked about in each episode is that part of human nature at the core is that we are very emotional creatures. And some people are more emotional than others. Some of people's emotion is high level. Some people's emotion is low level. It just depends on the person. But just know that emotion often drives your behavior. And what drives your emotion? Your thought or idea or perception of something. And we often have a lot of preconceived notions about a lot of things. And a lot of it's based on experience of being immersed in something, whether you watched it happen or whether it happened to you. And you draw a conclusion on it and it it elicits an emotion from you. And you tend to, to hold it close to you, especially if you experienced it. And it really impacted you on that emotional, mental, sometimes physical, financial, all those realms. If it leaves an impression, it's going to drive an emotion. And most people like to downplay that. So learning how to be objective is one of the most important things you must learn to be. And it may, like I said, shuffle a little bit here and there. But as long as you can bring yourself back because you realize you're back, you're backpedaling on something. And you're like, oh, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Why am I doing it? That's the key thing. So in episode five, the window to the world of you. The whole point of that, ultimately, was, okay, how can I be objective? Which means being in my feelings, but then being able to step outside my feelings. Well, sometimes, one of the things I said that's important in this whole self-reflection piece is insight. And you gain insight outside of yourself, which means you need some form of feedback. I'm sure you all have heard before, and this is the loaded gun, and I'm going to go ahead and shoot it. (laughs) If you keep hearing something repeatedly from different people, there must be some nugget of truth in it. Now, the question is, what exactly is the nugget? Okay? This is where objectivity becomes the most important thing that you can rely on to help you figure something out. So, if you keep hearing from people, just give a random example. You really have an attitude. And you're like, excuse me? What do you mean I have an attitude? So we're in a situation, you offended me, I'm telling you how I feel, so now I have an attitude? But the thing is, if you've heard that repeatedly from people, you have to step back and say, 
I don't feel I'm a person with attitude. I feel like I express myself. This is where perception comes in. And what episode five did, and I, it took a brave person to do it, is I gave you a feedback test you could use because feedback from others can help you to understand if you are congruent emotionally, mentally, physically, financially. It can help you know if you're congruent or not by seeing how other people perceive you to be. Now, mind you, it doesn't mean that their perception is 100% right. It's what they think they're seeing in front of them based on what you're conveying. And if you're not being totally congruent and honest with who you are, then you may be projecting something different to people that isn't really you. This is where this whole self-evaluation and reflection comes in. It's like learning to be congruent in the person that you present, but you cannot be congruent unless you know who you really are. So using outside feedback is key. So I, I gave a tool you could use in episode five called Jahari Window. It's been around for a while. I'm not going to get into you know where it comes from. But it, it seeks to put illumination in what might be common knowledge about you, like you know it and people in your life know it about you. Then that area, something that you know about yourself that maybe people who know you don't know about you. Then there's that realm that there's something about you that people that know you know that you don't know. And people are like, how can that be possible? Those are always interesting situations. And then there can be that area where there's something that's not known to anyone. And often in those two, the latter part of what I discussed, it usually is a situation arises that brings something out in someone's, the essence of their personality or being. So maybe a person didn't know they had true leadership skills until a situation happened and they took charge. And nor maybe did the people around them realize they were such a leader. I'm just giving an example. Situations often are the things that challenges us and if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. I'm always using somebody else's, you know, coin, but it's true. Just like one of my favorite sayings is by Pitbull. Fear, face everything and run, or face everything and rise. And situations can make you choose what direction you're going to go. So if you took Jahari's window, I would love to see the feedback you got from people. And if you'd like to take the Jahari window test, then what you would do is go to mayakai.com. You might want to listen to the episode first, episode five, but you don't have to. Um, Once you go to mayakai.com, go to the podcast resource section, go to episode five, you'll scroll down and you'll see it's called um, kevan.org or something, and boom, you can take the test. And it's pretty self-explanatory. So I gave you a feedback tool to help you to see if what you think of yourself is congruent with people who you feel know you if they give back the same feedback. Because you pick descriptors, they pick descriptors. It's anonymous, by the way, so you don't know who said what. But if you have been a congruent person, many of the words should line up. And at the same time, you may find some description of yourself that you're like, I would have never pegged me as that person. And it might be positive or negative, to tell you the truth. So it's worthy of taking the test, just to kind of get some feedback. Then we rolled into episode six, which is how do you talk the talk? And I kind of called it or termed it, you know, Um, in the reflection that I did, because a lot of these episodes have a My Reflection, which is additional conversation beyond the podcast. When people have given me feedback or had questions, I do a shorter version of a podcast to kind of address the things that people have brought up. And I said, you know, it's kind of like your red table. And I talked a little bit about the Will and Jada situation and kind of how it unfolded in that conversation and said everybody should have their own red table, truth be told where you can sit down with people who are in those other relationship realms with you, the, you know, the private, the professional, and the pervasive if necessary, to be able to address things that you feel are detrimental to your emotional or mental health, and even your financial health, seriously. Um, and learning how to engage people in those conversations are key. So 
engaging people in conversation is another one of those interesting things about personality. I talked about communication styles and how do you talk the talk? Because there's four communication styles. There's passive, aggressive, passive-aggressive, and then there's assertive. Um, If you listen to episode six, I dive into what they are and give examples. And the key thing is, you know, you may have a person that is very opinionated, but they're not the kind of person that expresses themselves well. So they may come across as passive. Whereas you may have a person that always constantly seems angry to you and they're always, quote unquote, you can't see my air quotes, speaking their mind. Those people seem aggressive to people. But I said, you know, what's interesting is the balance is and what we're supposed to strive to be is to be assertive in our conversations, to be able to put forth a message and to make sure we deliver it appropriately, that people are not just hearing you, but they're listening to you. And you do not leave them in a position where they are attempting to read between the lines. And that's something that I'm honestly going to say a lot of people don't do very well, is being able to make sure that they're delivering the message that they need to say and that it's truly understood and you don't leave people to to say, I think what Maya was saying was this versus, I know exactly what you meant, I heard what you said, now let me respond to it accordingly. That's what assertive communicators can do. And I'm going to tell you something, being an assertive communicator takes work. And even the best of assertive communicators can sometimes fall short. Because remember, often who you're talking to may make you shift your, your communication style because maybe it's a very aggressive person and trying to get through to them is just not working. Some people will sometimes sit down and write notes about if it's a really important conversation they need to have with somebody to make sure they don't miss their talking points. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people just prefer to write a letter or sometimes to send an email or in our current world, send a text, which I think is the worst way to communicate with people because that's where I think people read between the lines and things get lost in translation. And you're like, why are you yelling at me? What are you talking about? I'm typing words. (laughs) Never think a really salient or important conversation should ever be had in a text message. If you have something important to say, you should be able to sit down with that person and have that conversation, whether it be on a phone or whether it be in person. So your communication style says a lot about you. And I said, be mindful of this about communication styles. Aggressive and assertive can almost seem like the same thing depending on the perception of the person that's delivering the message. Often people that are motivational speakers are very fiery and they're passionate, okay? And when they're delivering this to 500 people, 1,000 people, an arena full of people, that's what people see, a fiery, passionate person. They don't see aggression. On the flip side, you take that same person, if they're not famous, let's strip that away. And that conversation's maybe been had to one, two, three, or five people. That same conversation might seem a little bit too aggressive. So there's a lot of different things that play into communication from body language to nonverbal. Like, did you, oh my God, did did I just roll my eyes? Um, Things like that. Um, They play into your communication styles and how people perceive. So if if you're looking at somebody and your arms are crossed and you have very little expression in your face and you're agreeing with them, like, okay, okay. Generally speaking, you're being passive, but everything within your posture and your body language is saying, I clearly do not agree with you. And if they are also a good communicator, they will read all those signs and look at you and say, I know you're saying you agree with me, but clearly I don't feel like you are because of what I'm seeing in your body language. Let's try to get back to figuring out what's going on here because I think it's important in this exchange that we get to the meaning of what needs to be said. 
that's being assertive. It doesn't mean that you just get your message across. It means you also are able to see when other, what other people's communication style is and to know if it's being congruent and making sense in the conversation or if they're disagreeing with you for the sake of agreeing with you. But some people just want to be heard. It doesn't mean that they necessarily care if someone really truly understood their message. So, episode six does a good job of diving into that, so to speak. So, what episode seven is looking to do, me, myself, and I, equals you, is to take all of those things and say, okay, let's make sure that we put it all together so that you can truly get to the business of discovering, uncovering, evolving into the best version of you. Let me just say that, because that's everything that Maya is about. My ambition, your ambition, is getting to the best version of you. Mentally, emotionally, financially, physically, all those things matter. They're interconnected on so many levels. And I'll tell you right now, in the current pandemic with COVID-19, people have been challenged in so many ways. And people are like, oh my gosh, I just want 2020 to go away. I can't take it. And you know what's crazy? At the same time, in a pandemic and with the economy shutting down in some situations, people's health being compromised, people losing loved ones, people being challenged on so many levels, there are other people that have risen and have thrived. And the question is, how can I be that person? I want to thrive in the face of adversity. This is where understanding you helps you to be better prepared when calamity sneaks up on you. Because trust me, no one's prepared for an accident because an accident is not meant to be prepared for. Hence, no one's meant to be prepared for a pandemic. Often people are not meant to be prepared for being laid off from their job. I'll be honest, no one is ever really truly prepared to lose a loved one or them to have their own health compromised. But how we approach these adversities mentally and emotionally makes a difference in how we process them and how we deal with them. How I have chosen to deal with the loss of loved ones and friends has been a journey for me. It it means pulling back the veils on so many levels. And that would be another conversation about grieving. Because there was a come to honesty and truth that took time to understand that The race from birth to death is just that. We're never guaranteed that we'll be here forever. So the key thing is, what do you do with your time when you are here? And what do you do with the time with the people that you love? We tend to always feel in distress because maybe we didn't do the things that we wanted to. And if you happen to be sitting in that situation right now, it'd be a good time to right that ship. Adversity tends to do that. It can help you right some ships along the way. But that's another conversation. But episode seven, me, myself, and I, it all equals you. It's about how can we get to that best version of you? Because if you don't understand you, here it comes again. If you don't understand you, no one else will truly understand you either. And the outcomes of most of your relationships will either be missing, lacking, something. And here comes one where it's going to rain again. It's going to be missing or lacking something that you need, want, or more importantly, the thing that usually gets us into entanglements, desire. Let that rain on you.
All right. I'm going to say that again. If you don't understand yourself, no one else truly will because you're not going to be congruent. So what they think they know of you may not be really the person that you are deep down inside. And the outcome of most of your relationships, whether it's in your private relationships with significant others, children, parents, siblings, whether it's in your work environment and all those pervasive relationships, the outcomes and most of those relationships will be missing or lacking something that you either need, want, or desire. Think about that. But let's be honest, getting up close and personal with ourselves can be real uncomfortable. So ask yourself, can you do the hard work and the heavy lifting to be the best version of yourself? It'd be the most important work you've ever done in your entire life. And I'm a constant work in progress. 2020 has not been a great year for me, but on the same time, I'm going to give it a 50-50. Because we're more than six months in, and a lot of really crazy relationship dynamics with friends happened for me this year. But it also illuminated so much more about myself and gave me new challenges. On the flip side, I started working out and I've lost weight and I feel so much more connected with myself and understanding emotions that for a long time I put back on the back burner, especially dealing with my own depression for situations that I was in. So for me, the discovery in 2020 has been amazing. And I just said to my friend just this morning in a simple text message we were having, I said, I'm blowing 2020 off the doors for the rest of the year. I'm not letting this pandemic, I'm not letting the change of the norm make me feel like the rest of my year is going to go for naught. Because I've got six more months that I can accomplish amazing things for myself in the spite of adversity. So why should I throw in the towel just because it's complicated? So ask yourself this question again. Are you ready to do the hard work and the heavy lifting to be the best version of yourself? So... What does that entail? Well, get ready for these three things that I feel like you have to be set to do. One, don't settle for good. You're all about great. Two, come as close as being an objective person as you possibly can. You'll never master it. But I want you to become extremely familiar with it and understand how it's a tool that you need to be able to employ in difficult situations, even when you feel like you're being emotionally or mentally compromised, because it can be the thing that can help you come back center is being objective. And that might be like having a conversation with yourself. Nothing wrong with that. You may even answer and it does not mean you're crazy. It's putting your own self in check. It's an interesting thing to be able to do. And three... Be willing to forfeit the idea that comfort, convenience, and control always have to be the key motivators in your decisions. I know, right there, somebody said, you got to be kidding me. I'm not supposed to be comfortable. I'm not supposed to be in control. And wait a minute. I'm supposed to be inconvenienced? How does this sound like something I'm trying to do? Because here's the thing, that heavy lifting and hard work to get you to having that success and happiness that you seek in your daily life, means once you are able to give up feeling, I must have control of this in order for it to be fulfilling. This must make me feel comfortable for me to be able to do it, or it must be convenient for me to put my time into it. Will be always things that will keep you from making all this work collectively together. So, let's start with one. 
this is something I stole from a chaplain that works at for Amita Health. I work for Amita Health, and we had a a moment of silence in regards to Black Lives Matter. It seems like maybe three weeks, four weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and there was a chaplain speaking, and he said this, and I, I will, I will, I will steal a great quote from somebody because I was like, I agree with this a hundred percent. He said, the reason we are in the predicament we're in right now is because we, good is the enemy of great. And someone's like, what? Yes, good is the enemy of great. You know why? Because good allows you to say, well, I'm doing okay. I'm comfortable. I'm in control of stuff. This is convenient. It's working for me. And good is socially acceptable. As long as you're maintaining, because good is really about maintaining, truth be told, not striving to do better, to be your best version of yourself. So when you look at yourself and say, has my life kind of become stuck? Maybe it's stuck because you're too comfortable because you've been doing good. And you need to strive for great. Maybe. Everyone's situation is unique. You have to do that self-reflection piece. When you're looking for the best version of yourself, it means that you don't settle for mediocrity because society says it's okay. Or it's acceptable to your family. It's acceptable to your friends. My thing is, is it acceptable to you? My thing is, if you're comfortable with it and you feel like it's great, then so be it. I'm not going to tell you to step off your square. But if you legitimately are not happy with where you're at, but where you're at is not necessarily the worst place to be, that probably is the problem within itself. Two, objectivity, like I said, will be the most important tool you'll have in your self-awareness and self-evaluation toolbox. Because it allows you to be in your feelings about a situation, then to step back and to say, okay, this makes me feel a certain kind of way, but why would a person do that? Trying to see something from someone else's perspective is really difficult, and it requires that you also put some other things in your self-reflection and self-evaluation toolbox. And this is a toughie, because this is usually a lifetime of work. Do you have emotional intelligence? Which means, are you in touch with your emotions and can you connect with others? Do you understand why they say they feel the way they feel? That also rolls into the conversation of empathy. Not being sympathetic to someone's cause, but to say, I can understand why this is a problem for so-and-so. I'm putting this shoe on the other foot, and you know what? I probably would feel equally as uncomfortable with that situation if I was in it. I can respect that. It's hard, especially if someone has something something disrespectful to you, to even begin to say, I understand, because <laughs> it means stepping outside yourself. Or if a person reacts in a way that makes no sense to you, now I'm not talking about just someone's being just absolutely just rude and disrespectful, but my thing is behind every action, there is a thought. Remember, there is a thought behind it. There is an emotion that elicits the behavior. So when something happens between you and another person that you find offensive, Ask yourself, okay, clearly they think something. They must think I've done something, unless you know what you did. (laughs) Okay, that made them feel, I made them feel some kind of way, and now this is why they reacted towards me. So this is when you can be that good communicator. See how this just all kind of tied together? And say, okay, so you and I are not seeing eye to eye. Um, Because this relationship has meaning to me. And I'm trying to always be a better person. I need to figure out what I did that made you angry. And please don't make the assumption that I should have understood because I did, then probably I wouldn't have done it. Never expect people to read your minds. Being a good communicator means making sure people understand what you want and need and desire. And stop asking them to fill in the lines for you, as people often do. And if that person themselves has good emotional intelligence, they may respond. Remember, 
but they may not respond and that's complicated for you and that's when you have to go back and evaluate that relationship is it toxic or healthy should i be talking to this person who re- like legitimately doesn't want to have a conversation now mind you if they're sitting in the mist and they're stewing and their anger then let it go move away come back to it later say this is probably not the right time because i don't want to say things that we don't mean let's just revisit this when we're both cooler heads prevail because I want us to have this conversation and I want us to get something from it so we can not go back to where we were but move forward and be in a better place you should never be trying to go back to where you were in situations you should try to move forward to a better place so when we talk about objectivity that's the key part of that but let's talk about that not always feeling like you have to be comfortable in control and convenient these drives so many of our conversations and understand, a lot of that comes from how we how we think about things and how we believe things should be. And I'm going to give you a good example of how this works, and we're seeing it unfold right now in our society. All of this could be likened to talking about racism. You have people for generations that were raised to believe that certain people were a certain way. They built on stereotypes, and then they've got you know reinforcements from the media and movies and music and so forth and so on, and they believe that it was right. Okay, doesn't mean it was right because remember, perception is reality. Then all of a sudden, they're challenged on some of their racist behaviors and thoughts. And they're going, well, wait a minute, hold up. You're asking them, one, to have emotional intelligence and empathy. Right now, it would appear in our current society, people who never have been in that position have embraced it. They've stepped out of their comfort zone. They're willing to give up some of their control to be able to empathize with people who have been on the wrong side of history, not because they've done anything wrong because it wasn't their history that they were writing. And then you've got other people that are getting pushed back because you're asking them to give up control, to have their life be what they feel is turned upside down, which is really more about having a salient conversation so we can meet in the middle and figure out how we've gotten to this place, which means they have to be uncomfortable. That conversation of racism has two different types of people in it. And the people who are struggling with giving up comfort, control, and convenience are the people who lack empathy and usually don't have great emotional intelligence. I'm just going to tell you that, among other things. Because if you are the person that's been in the right, if you've been, let's say, obviously, on the positive side, you've gained from what we know is systemic racism in this country, which we know has been issues like, you know, with... Um, people being misogynistic you know we had a me too movement if you've been a benefactor of those things and you can't admit it that's a problem seriously and we have a lot of problems in this country and until we could actually sit down and be honest and and have real conversations and learn how to have better emotional intelligence because that's where good conversation starts and learn how to have empathy i don't need anybody to say oh my gosh my i'm so sorry for your experience i don't need you to be sorry for me I need you to understand why this is a problem and understand how we've gotten to this place, which means you can empathize with the experience as much as you can to understand it doesn't get better until we acknowledge why it's an issue so we can move forward. Otherwise, we're going to keep repeating history as we've had. So that's kind of an example when people struggle with giving up comfort, control, and convenience. And often, those are the very things that can make your life very mediocre because you get what? It's good, and you're sacrificing great. And this is where people really struggle with that. So, episode seven, me, myself, and I equals you. It's the challenges to begin this real self-reflection and self-evaluation journey. The three things I want you to be able to do, like I said, is think about, am I really comfortable with this good? Am I being my best version? Am I being great? And if I'm not, why is that? And am I okay with this? 
And if I'm okay with it, am I really okay with it? Two, have I really learned to be better at being objective in situations when it's hard for me? Remember I said, you're never going to master it, but you can definitely put it in your toolbox and keep working with it. And to know when you're regressing in situations opposed to progressing forward. Being able to identify, I've just taken two steps back in this situation. Why? Is it the person that elicits this emotion from me? Do I feel in this situation that I'm trapped? Like, really assess the situation and do it from an objective lens. Like, if I was on the outside looking in, this is what I think I see. That step outside of yourself, like if, it, if I wasn't me, what would I see? That'd be interesting. And then that third thing is, like I said, be willing to not make decisions based on comfort, convenience, and control. Because sometimes what might be good for you is going to be heavy lifting and it's not comfortable and convenient. And it also might mean you're not in control. But the outcome of that can be that you achieve the things that you want, even though it was hard work. All right, everybody. This is episode seven. I hope you've enjoyed it. It was a live version, which I kind of enjoyed. It felt, I felt a little unbridled in this, opposed to when I do the recordings. I felt like I just flowed. So, like I said, I'm going to do a little shameless promotion. I do believe that all my podcasts are relatively good. Um, I feel like the more I do it, the more I get into my vibe and the swing of things, and I really feel like doing it live. This is my thing. Live is my thing. So remember, you can find all my podcasts at mayakai.com but if you happen to have a podcast platform at your preference that's all good too and you can find me on iTunes um, Google and the iHeartRadio platforms and a whole bunch of other ones too that I'll list there's so many podcast platforms that existed I didn't even know you can find me there but whenever I do a follow up like a Maya reflection which is a companion to each episode you can find that at mayakai.com as well if you want to like post some questions to me about some things I said don't be shy go ahead and you know respond to this and when I do Maya reflection for episode 7 I'll respond to some of the things that you say but as always thank you for listening to this episode um, like I said the whole purpose of my podcast is to help you identify your ambition harness that motivation to help you acquire the success and satisfaction that you're seeking in life until next time everyone remember Your present becomes your past, and your future is no more. So make the most of every single day. Until next time, everyone. Ciao. Your Ambition Podcast. Something that I take pride in is trying to be forward thinking, thinking outside the box, challenging myself. And as I challenge myself, hopefully I challenge you. Find Maya on Twitter and Instagram at Maya underscore Akai. On Facebook at Maya Akai Presents. We're going to talk health, wealth, fitness, mental health, financial, lots of different things that can empower you as you seek out the ambition that you're pursuing. pursuing. Or get everything Maya at MayaAkai.com.